Shall we begin? Let's begin now. Hello, I'm Richard Hattersley, and welcome to No Account for Taste. On the podcast today, as accountants emerge from their self-assessment hibernation, we'll be finding out how tough this past January has been for accountants and discover what's next for the annual client-chasing headache. Now that is over for another year. All that and more, but first let me introduce you to my co-host, Accountant Web Technology Editor, Tom Herbert. Hello, Richard, and happy February to all our listeners. Thank you very much, Tom, and a big happy February to our next guest. So now I don't want to bring back too many nightmares and speak about tax returns, but it's kind of unavoidable seeing as we've just seen the end of self-assessment season and today's guest had, correct me if I'm wrong, um, almost 700 to file before the deadline. So uh, here to talk to us about the highs and lows of self-assessment season, we are joined by Louise Harrington, Chartered Accountant and Founder of Performance Accountancy, which offers accounting services to performers and self-employed. Hello, Louise. Hi there, Richard. How are you doing? Uh, doing very well. So 700 or near enough 700 tax returns to file. How pleased were you then when you woke up on the 1st of February and realised that the treadmill of tax returns was over? I was going to say it's like... Okay, thank goodness that's done. Oh no, I've still got VAT returns to do, so um, I haven't quite come out the fog yet. <laughs> well, today on the show we're going to be look at, we're going to try and look through that fog and hopefully clear it away. Now, now it's all done and dusted. Uh, we're just going to spend it just focusing on self-assessment because it's been quite a ride over the last few months. Mm -hmm. So, Louise, to kick things off, then, how did this season compare to previous years for you? For me, this has been an absolute nightmare season. Um, it didn't help that my mother died in July, so I didn't do much work in the sort of summer period. But it was still a case of having caught up by Christmas. Um, <clears throat> the worst figures ever, Christmas Eve, I still had 214 outstanding to do. And it's like, uh-huh. And I actually been brave enough to book four days out of the office I don't know whether it was brave or stupid so <laughs> so it's like the panic of 214 to go and then people were saying to me that they thought the deadline was the 28th of February because the last two years they changed the deadline date of course yeah so um back in um the start of 2022 and also in 2021 wasn't it? I guess clients have been quite used to that new date when HMRC came in and announced um, that uh, penalties would be suspended until February 28th. Uh, no announcement this year, um, but I guess it only takes a couple of years for people to get stuck in um, stuck in their routine and feeling like the 28th is the new is a new deadline date. Yeah, so it's just like trying to persuade them. No, it hasn't changed, and you know some clients will just argue like anything, and you think, never mind. <laughs> So I did end up um, 20 that hadn't sent me any data. So 20 haven't been done. <laughs> and Louise, this year, you, you've kind of explained that there's been a, a tough year by the signs of it. Um, so over the course of the, the, the past year, have you brought in any different processes or um, 
different ways of working in order to for you to uh, make the the headache less of a headache? Well, I did bring in what I could rudely say a PA. I call her my adminimizer because uh, um, she minimizes the amount of admin I have to do. <laughs> so I did bring did bring my, my PA in on um, half part way through the year. It wasn't until about September. But even so, just clearing some of the basic admin stuff, even just filing, just helped clear a whole load of time. And I thought, I wish I'd done this years ago. <laughs> so, but no, the, um, the whole new process stuff was bringing her on board to help me with, um, with that. But all the rest of the processes about, you know, getting data in, that has stayed the same. But I have insisted that people fill in a checklist because the number of times they suddenly come back with, oh, I forgot I had a PAYE job, and all of a sudden a P45 appears. You know, you think, well, if you didn't tell me in the first place, I would have been happy to have filed this, and then you would have got wrapped knuckles. So insisting on this checklist is done before I even start looking at it has been a change. I've always liked to have the checklist, but insisting on it before I start their work has then saved a lot of heartache. Doesn't save all of it. When they tick the box to say they've not received any government grants and then HMRC decide to change the tax return because they had received £10,000 worth of grants. So, <laughs> Well, speaking of that, there's been a few things which has kind of made this tax return season uh, more unique. You've kind of said it was the, the reporting of the, the COVID grants. I think this was kind of the, the final year of that. And then uh, you've got crypto payments, which people have had to uh, to report as well. Anything else which has kind of cropped up this year, which um, clients have maybe hidden away or not realised that they had to um, report on their tax returns? Yeah, there have been a few um, house sales that would have had capital gains tax on them that suddenly appeared. And you think, and what did you do about it? Well, I didn't do anything. You think, oh, head in hands. <laughs> And uh, this year, Louise, it has been um, the year where everyone's been talking about the cost of living crisis and we're still feeling the impact of COVID and uh, Brexit as well. I know it's something that's been a bit of a strain for your clients in particular in the for musicians. Have you kind of seen that knock-on effect on your clients? Have you been having to set up more time to pay for clients who are, who are struggling under the, uh, the the current economic crisis? Yes, a lot more clients have said to me about how can they do the instalment options and they've tried to set it up online and it's come back with saying you can't do it online, you must call. And then they've been trying to call for several days and just not getting through. They spent an hour and a half on hold and then got cut off. So there are a lot more of my clients are asking how can they spread the payments. Uh, obviously, there's nothing I can do as an accountant because I don't have access to their bank account to set it all up for them. Uh, but yes, definitely a lot of that and a lot of musicians that um, their income is still below what it was pre-COVID because of not being able to travel into Europe. And it's a case, the, the opera singers used to do jump-ins, well, long gone that. If they do a jump-in, then they're going to get taxed and NI'd, well, social security So it's not really worth it for them. I know I've got one actor that's gone over to Ireland, couldn't get an A1 form in, and has paid 
I think 40% PA, Irish PAYE plus all the social. And so his income might be, let's say, £6,000 and he's come away with £2,000. Yeah. Brexit has had a serious damage on the musician market for the UK. And I, I guess it's this time of year when it, it, it was really uh, underscored when you're seeing all of these, uh, all, all the information come in and those those musicians having to set up these time to pays in order to just pay the tax bill. Yeah. I love you use the word underscored for my musicians. Very good, yeah. <laughs> that would not go amiss. <laughs> Tom, you've been monitoring self-assessment for a number of years now. Um, how has this one compared, do you think, the kind of reaction you've seen on any answers account to web? How has this one kind of compared to uh, previous years? Monitored, yeah. <laughs> uh, we've got two, what we tend to have is these two polarised positions, really, from from practitioners. You've got these these fried firm owners and staff battling, you know, hacking away at the coal face to get their returns done on time. And then in, in in the opposite corner, you've got this sort of swirling vortex of smugness that that are these firm owners who finish before Christmas and are and are crowing about how chilled out they are. Um I've actually seen a new a new strain this year, actually. Um a few of the smugs, that that's the next Julia Donaldson book as well. But they're they're saying that we've got capacity to pick up last minute clients and, and charge them through the nose. So, I mean, you know, they've got a point, but uh, yeah, it probably doesn't help if you're, if you're there <laughs> trying, to, trying to get those last few clients over the line, you know, log into social media or, or whatever and, and hear that. Um, yeah, I guess, I guess from a macro perspective, sort of looking at that, um, you know, how, how, how are these people, manage to get to a position where they're, they're done before Christmas. I, I don't know if it's necessarily that there's always a lot of mention of the technology and, and I don't think it's necessarily the technology that's doing that, although it helps. I mean, perhaps it's, it's just being able to take a step back from the mayhem and, and look at practices, you know, look at, look at what you're doing and the, yeah, the, the ability to um, systemize and, and process, but, as I say, in theory, it sounds great, but uh, yeah, when you've got the clients banging on the door, then it's uh, yeah, the reality is a little bit different. Well, Louise, let's uh, pick up on Tom's point there about those last-minute clients or even last-minute prospects. It typically is is the time when you have people maybe knocking on your door on like January the thirty-first and maybe four p.m. saying, "I've just realised that it's deadline day." I've got some receipts hanging around. Do you, could you uh, help me out? Have you had many of those? And where do you kind of stand on on taking them on literally at the 11th hour? I had had plenty of them emailing me saying, oh, they didn't know they had to do a tax return. I thought, where have you been living? <laughs> um, yeah, plenty of them. And it's a case of those that came in the last week or so. I'll see you in February. So by all means come back in february you'll have a hundred pound fine or file what you think you have and we can fix it in february yeah so at least they've got something in but they would have to pay the money i have taken on quite a few clients in january provided they have access to their online account and can authorize me as their agent via their own online account that's where a sticking point came with a lot of people because they didn't have access to their online account and you think why? Because they set it up years ago or, it was, or they came to self-assessment years ago 
and unfortunately their, their accountant might have passed and they've got no record of anything. So, so they were problematic ones because with the postal strike, I was getting letters that were posted just before Christmas around the 20th of January. So there was no way we were going to get the 64-8 through and come through with that for to help these people. So it has been a case of some I've taken on if they've got access and they say they're completely ready. Yep, we took them on to get them done. Those that didn't have access to anything or came really, really late, who've just had to say come back in February. You know, we can't do anything about it. Well, HMRC uh, announced a day after the deadline day that 600,000 taxpayers missed the tax return deadline. Um, obviously a number of reasons for this. Some, maybe even what you've mentioned there, Louise, could be people um, just not realising that that was the date. It could have been some of those delays in getting the 64-8s to the uh, the new agent. Um, but that number is actually down compared to previous years, taken out, uh, of course, the, the COVID era, which have had that suspended penalties difference to that. So I guess it does seem as if more clients are getting somewhat, uh, sorry, more taxpayers are getting somewhat used to the the date, even if um, you do get the odd ones, Tom, which um, failed to realise that the 31st of January is suddenly deadline day. Yeah, there's, there's quite a remarkable statistical dump that they do um, after after deadline day. The deadline is, the deadline door is slammed shut. <laughs> um, you know, it says... Um, at 861,000 taxpayers filed on the final day and 36,000 filed in the last hour before the deadline. I mean, that is just, that's amazing, isn't it? Um, it's really doing your homework before you get, have to go into school, isn't it? <laughs> I mean, as a journalist, I know, you know, the, there's nothing like the impending big stick of a deadline to, uh, to make you, uh, to make you pep up, a, sit up and take notice. But yeah, well, that really does, uh, that really does take the biscuit. Um, yeah, I, I, I think, as well, I mean, you know, without sounding overly political, that that the self-employed, you know, uh, have had a bit of a tough time over the last few years, with the pandemic and various sort of IL thirty-five measures and things. And it may be that people who are having to file tax returns, uh, who had to file tax returns previously, sorry, um, are now within PAYE and uh, not actually filing them anymore. So. And Louise, there's also this uh, a mini campaign in the days before the deadline run by Dan Needle, who after campaigning and raising awareness about uh, Nadim Zahawi's tax affairs, turned his attention to the late filing penalty, where many people who pay no tax or pay little still get that um, £100 fine the day after. What's your thoughts about this kind of immediate fine which people get um even if they don't pay if they pay little to no tax is that something which maybe needs to be changed okay this is going to sound bad but no if they can't sort their stuff out in the 12 months of the tax year and then nine months and 28 days following the end of the tax year then absolutely they should get the 100 pound fine if they don't have income to pay tax surely that's the incentive to say whoa i don't need to do it get it done quickly uh it's, it's interesting you should say that of course there's uh people who would um 
obviously there's a lot of uh, noise from this campaign of people raising awareness about people being hit with this uh, fine. But on on Any Answers forum, there was also some people saying that maybe the £100 is too low. Maybe it needs to be increased in order to make people further um, aware of it and more of an incentive for people to file um, before kind of make the stick a little bit heavier and whack higher was what some people were campaigning for. Yeah, I would tend to agree because it's one of those things like somebody who's 20 who just turned around and said, it's only a hundred pound fine. I don't know how musicians can say only a hundred pounds, but okay, it's only a hundred pounds fine. It gives me an extra three months. Whoopie do. And that's what they've gone with. They've gone with, I'll do it in March. Okay. I did try and explain late interest payment penalties it's an interesting one, Thomas, one which kind of comes up every year as well about this, uh, whether the fine is too much, whether it's too little. My view as a tax muggle, um, it, I'm not quite sure it really matters about the level of fine. You're not really, I, I think that's just a general lack of awareness Some, sometimes that it's you even have a tax return to do or there's a general lack, lack of organisation around you know some of these people might have uh three or four jobs um and just sitting down and wrangling the information um is probably more than they can more than they can face you might argue that uh bringing on board an accountant might help but uh yeah i, I i'm not sure the level of fine is really the issue here mm. well let's look at some of the big challenges louise you've kind of touched on these already but the big challenges which many have faced over the self-assessment period which was of course, wait times is obviously one of the big frustrations which many people experience. Uh, this year was no exception. Louise, you mentioned that a few of your clients were struggling to get through to the HMRC helplines. This was probably not helped due in December when there was a, an outage. And then at the, the 19th of January, HMRC Chief Executive Jim Hara uh, responded to the Treasury Committee and said that he kind of defended the customer service levels and said that the average wait time was 27 minutes, which was up from 12 minutes the prior year. Although he did kind of say that the the prior year also had that COVID element where the volume of people trying to get in contact with HMRC was spread into February because of the extension of the late filing penalties. So wait times were up this year. Obviously, the agent dedicated line was also restricted to complex self-assessment queries. So that meant that some agents, I guess, had to use the uh, normal customer service line instead. So, Louise, how much of a thorn in the side was uh, wait times and delays this year for you? Well, for me, I did phone the agent helpline a couple of times because it's things that cannot be solved any other way. So I've been putting through basis period change this year because with musicians, two bad COVID years it's like it's a no-brainer do it now instead of when they might be a 40% taxpayer so that I had to go via the agent helpline but what HMRC don't seem to understand is that some people don't have an online account and at the moment potentially never will have an online account as they've been excluded because they don't have a p60 they don't have a UK passport and they don't have a Northern Ireland driving license so they're kind of stuffed because they can't get stuff from their online account we can't help them even if we use the income record viewer because they can't authorize us because they don't have an online account so it's kind of a bit of a shot in the 
shot in the foot in that if you phone the agent helpline to get this stuff, they turn around and say, it's not a complex query, go away. Hmm. You know, well, you've excluded them, so where am I supposed to go? Tom, it was quite uh, the, the letter which Jim Hara wrote to the Treasury Committee defending the wait times. Um, and we've gone over the big issues there. There was the outage in December. There was people being cut off in January, as Louise mentioned earlier on. And one of the things Hara raised was that if maybe the wait times would decrease if people used online services instead. <laughs> yeah, I think tin-eared probably <laughs> sums that up quite nicely, the response. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's difficult. Uh, that a lot of the information is um a lot of the information is there but i think there's a lack of awareness that the guidance is actually there the site's not the easiest to navigate um as as louise mentioned there you know people might be digitally excluded um as well and not not be able to check it so that there's a host of reasons and i think just just sort of falling back on oh well just just go online it's there i think only adds to people's frustrations louise there's also this uh hmrc was trialing an sms uh approach was uh so if you were i think the case where if you're calling from a mobile and they kind of sense that and and your query was one answerable from the online services they would uh cut you off and send you a text message instead directing you to the the relevant page on gov.uk. Do you think that would be a good approach for some taxpayers if it's just a simple query like their their UTI number or if they've forgotten their government gateway password? Would that is that a, a good way, do you think, in just cutting down the wait times for other people who perhaps have a, a more complicated question? I would say no, because they don't know if that person on the end of the phone has a smartphone to be able to click on the links. My plenty of my client base are, I'm not going to say elderly because people might take offence, but they're in their late 60s, early 70s and 80s, wouldn't have a clue what to do with an online stuff. You know, so, but the SMS system isn't going to know that's the criteria of this client who doesn't have access to anything like it. So I think that is a pretty bad move because they're again stuck in limbo with nowhere to go. Well, the trial is ongoing, so we will. Uh... Be intrigued to have come back uh, a later date to see what actually happens, whether it's something which is rolled out uh, on a more permanent basis. But yeah, only a trial at the moment. Tom, this time of year as well, February now, uh, the, the calendar's ripped off and now we're coming to February, time when accountants are able to reflect on the past year and also look forward. And this is something which is dear to your heart. I know you've been uh, asking some of the accountant web community what they're going to be spending their their time doing. And obviously at the top of many people's lists, is their software shopping. Yeah, I think um, similar to New Year, we have all these good intentions, all these resolutions about sacking clients or getting agent authorization for all of them, getting them all set up on on the software so you can pull in P60s or whatever. Um, Yeah, I think as I say, calling back to what we were saying earlier, it's... uh, it's actually finding the time to step back and and be able to analyze that. Now, one thing that has changed is the the delay to making tax digital um, for income tax self-assessment instead of having a sort of year and a bit to get everything, get all your ducks in a row there, the digital ducks. um, Then you've now got 
a couple more years on that. So what what we tend to find um, is that, that there's been a bit of an MTD effect with the various delays that we've had. Um, where it's more pressing, we find that people are looking at very MTD-specific solutions, and that's uniform across all types of practice, really. But where where there's been a bit more breathing space, um, they tend to come blinking out into the sunshine and explore different things. So I think one thread, one thread I I, I put up about the, the software shopping season. Some people were looking at digital work papers uh, solutions, um, CRM workflow, um, you know, pre-accounting, data entry type type tools. So it, it, well, the wider point was that they're actually looking at solutions that are more relevant to their individual practice as opposed to, uh, you know, ch- chasing that uh, legislative um, tail, as it were. Louise, does any of that ring true for you as kind of the delay to MTD? It's a, does that kind of change your approach now um, in terms of what you're going to be focusing on, uh, what, what kind of software you're going to be looking into? It did do initially when they delayed it, and I put my head in my hands and and said nasty words. <laughs> but then January, some people have actually set up various accounting systems and having looked at it, what a complete hash job they've made of it. So I'm now going to go back to my idea of this year that and February shopping is, no, let's start to build help files, help videos, how to set up zero for musicians, etc., in order to try and get people on board way, way early, but it would definitely help them and to get it sorted to begin with. Uh, there's plenty of my clients that are approaching the VAT threshold that kind of need to do this anyway. So that's kind of be my shopping list and to say, right, for this specific software, this is what you need to do and just offer a different span of services. There isn't anything in my practice apart from an effective follow-up process. So I'll be looking more at pipe drive in to drive my leads because I'm really, really bad at the follow-up process. I leave so much money on the table, done the initial call with people, but I haven't got an effective follow-up to say, okay, have you... Have you sort of replied to this? Have you looked at it any further? What would you like to do? So that would be my internal um, stuff to get sorted for processes and systems, but also concentrate on what my clients need to know with zero. It seems like your approach is kind of a, a common one, which we are seeing where you kind of, you know, the old classic rubbish in, rubbish out kind of uh, approach mm-hmm. sometimes you get with uh uh, some people's complaints with uh, some of their clients' bookkeeping, and just to set them up to begin with, just so they, uh, so the actual information that you get is actual quality stuff. And so, Tom, there's obviously a range of different um, tools out there to help people to do this. Um, is it, but this is kind of a common approach which which people are now seeing as software is becoming more of a uh, more of the the go to approach when it comes to uh, clients' bookkeeping, isn't it? Yeah, I always find it interesting that where people will go as a sort of zero only practice or a quickbooks only practice and i think that's fine if 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 it fits if it fits with your lifestyle if it fits with your your workflows then that's that's absolutely fine if you only if you're willing to only take on a, a very specific certain type of client um then that's great but uh, as i say if you're you're setting yourself up as more of a general practitioner then 
I, I think by necessity you need to do know obviously know a bit about the cloud accounting packages and and be able to use them but there's there's obviously the the sort of excel based hackery that has to go on to uh to get the books in 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 a decent shape yeah well out of my 667 clients that are self-assessment majority of them are on spreadsheets or manual cash books that i then have to put into a spreadsheet etc so if i can just get some of them offer spreadsheets onto accounting systems that really should be on it and those that are on accounting systems actually make sure it works and all the accounting there and they don't put hotel costs into subsistence and things like that it's like okay so we just need a big cleanup time i think is for this year with regards to clients i'm not completely wedded to zero only practice uh, as i said you know most of my clients are on excel but I just need to find client-based software that will work for my client base from a music teacher that might just about earn enough money to qualify, but can't spend the time doing, you know, loading this up to zero, loading this into where, you know, trying the things, find the things that will work for the right price for them. Yes, I know that is still jumping ahead to April 26, but if I can start doing some of the thought transition now, it will save a lot of pain in 26 or 25. Um, that's, the, that's the tech side of things, Louise. Is there any other areas of your practice that you're going to be doing differently going forward? Have you got a list of clients which are on the uh, uh, at risk of being told to go elsewhere? Or is there anything else you're going to be focusing on? Oh, yes, I, I have my maybe you ought to go elsewhere list that <laughs> I will be acting on. The people that did their own tax returns for whatever reason, but didn't bother telling me they were going to do it, <laughs> I think are also on the at-risk list as well. It's like, why am I wasting my time chasing you if you're going to do it yourself? Um, yeah, really, why would you have <laughs> why would you have an accountant if you're just going to feel like you're going to do it yourself? Yeah. Well, partly because they don't want to... I, I specifically put in my terms and conditions that if you don't get your records to me until November, you get a surcharge. In December, you get a bigger surcharge. But in January, you get a surcharge of 50%. And you think, okay, so a lot of them then have gone, oh, I haven't got my records to her, I'll do it myself, then I don't have to pay the 50% surcharge. But I think one of the biggest learners, I know it's not really your question for January, is the loneliness of the sole practitioner. So... I have a group of other musician accountants or acting accountants and we do a sort of a sanity call once a week or once when we can just to make sure they're okay, just to make sure they're still hanging in there, they haven't, you know, done Harry Carry. Um, but I think that support network is quite important for those sole practitioners that don't have anyone to bounce things off of. And that's what I found quite invaluable. It might only be a, a 15 minute call, you know, 15 minute moaning call, but it does a lot for the mental health, I think, for the accountant that's struggling on their own. Absolutely. Yeah. And of course, January is a time when everyone's under complete high pressure. It's only probably when you um, get out of that pressure that you realize even more so just how much pressure you were under. Yeah. So, in, in that respect, how how have you found that other sole practitioners have felt kind of mentally during this 
uh, during this period? Has it been particularly tough on on a lot of them? The people I talk to, yeah, it has been quite tough, again, with people just being late with everything. So whether that is a symptom of the industry we specialise in, it could be. But all the people I've spoken to have found it tough. All of them have got outstanding clients that haven't sent their stuff in. And we all feel bad. You know, it's like we do our best for our clients, but if you can't give us the stuff, then we can't help you. Obviously, as, as a sole practitioner as well, you, you, there's that sense of ownership about your firm and also your clients. You, you probably have that close relationship with them as well. And I, I can, you, you, I've heard accountants before kind of say during January, you're part accountant and also part counsellor. You're the person for them to, to cry on your shoulder as well as they're confronted with big tax bills. And all that probably has an effect on you as well, having to uh, be there for them as well during this period. Yeah, you do end up as unofficial counsellor to them whilst you're listening to their problems. And, you know, some of it might be their own fault. Some of it definitely isn't. But it's a case of where do they go? They don't know who to talk to. They can't get through to HMRC to explain the situation. So you do end up as complete counsellor. I've had people sobbing down the phone at me. Um, and I'm not that kind of person that takes it very well. <laughs> That's when my accounting hat comes on and just think, get on with it. But if I put my artist hat on, I can fully empathise with them. And during February, is it easy to switch off now after after being on the treadmill for so long? Can you just suddenly just step off and go back to normal nine to five? Or is, or is it difficult after being in the thick of it for so long to just still be in that space? I found it really difficult. So... As I said, I've got VAT returns to do. It was three o'clock this morning when I finally got into bed, having tried to do some VAT work for people. And it's like, it's going to take a while for me to get back to, I finish work at midnight rather than finish work at three o'clock in the morning. So it's going to take a while for it to, to slowly build back. Um, but as you say, a sole practitioner, I do everything apart from doing my filing now. <laughs> So, so everything's down to me. So if I want to do even things like SEO reports and work out what's happening on the website, I've still got to find the time to do it. So that's why I'm still working until quite late at night, trying to get my general practice stuff done. There's a, uh, a famous story about Keith Richards, the guitarist from the uh, from the Rolling Stones, and uh, and they've been in the south of France in a studio recording an album and just been playing playing his guitar for days and days solid and uh, I can't remember which might, might have been a, Mick Jagger's autobiography but he says he, he came in he found he found Keith Richards sort of passed out on the floor um, asleep but his hands were still moving as if he were if he were playing the guitar you know I, I like to think of the sort of <laughs> the accountant community on February the 1st sort of asleep but the, the fingers are moving on the keyboards <laughs> Uh, well, I, I think on that note, I think that's the time to finish and just imagine everyone listening with their eyes shut as they're pretending still to <laughs> file tax returns and tinker around on the keyboards. Uh, well, Louise, thank you very much for joining us there and hope you um, have a restful February after what sounds like a hectic January and you're able to switch off and relax and um, feel 100% again. Um, and a big thank you as well to Tom 
for joining us and a big thank you to everyone for listening. For all your news from the world of accountancy, join us as ever on accountsweb.co.uk. But until next time, bye for now.